When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Thursday edition of the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. We were out at OTAs on Wednesday, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Ashley Bastock, and I, and we were watching practice. But of course, uh, practice was very secondary to everything that happened uh, on Tuesday and then also into Wednesday. So that's really what we get into in this podcast is kind of catching up a little bit on the New York Times piece the vibe at practice after that piece ran. And then, of course, we recorded this right after Tony Busby added the Houston Texans uh, as defendants in the lawsuit based uh, partially off what was reported in that New York Times piece. So that's coming up on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. In the second half, we do spend a little bit of time on non-Deshaun Watson stuff. We talk a little bit of practice uh, and a little bit of Baker Mayfield. So, again, that's all coming up here. If you're not a Football Insider subscriber, you've got to become one. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. You get a newsletter delivered to your inbox every single day, access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns and you can become one of our tech subscribers we're standing on the practice field or i should say next to the practice field and we're texting what we're seeing we're, we're sending stuff out attendance things like that and mini camp coming up next week you'll want to be a part of that so again cleveland.com slash browns the blue banner at the top of the page all right here we go our thursday edition of the orange and brown talk podcast Here we go on our Thursday edition of the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. We are recapping uh, the day of OTAs for the Browns. But uh, as these things happen, we are not going to be talking much about practice today. So as we're recording this, uh, it's about 6.50 on Wednesday night. And we just uh, learned that Tony Busby, the attorney who is representing the plaintiffs, uh, accusing Deshaun Watson, is adding the Houston Texans to the lawsuit. They will be defendants in the lawsuit uh, Mary Kay posted a story about that statement on cleveland.com slash Browns, the, the statement that Tony Busby released. Now, Mary Kay, this seems like a direct result of Jenny Vrenta's piece in the New York Times. Tony Busby said in his statement that uh, he's talked to the Houston Police Department, that that also sort of precipitated this. Uh, but this is, I, I mean, this seems like a significant development that an NFL team would be added as a defendant. It also kind of puts a potential conspiracy theory to bed that maybe this was Tony Busby and Cal McNair conspiring all along. Uh, So this feels like a significant development for a few reasons. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, it adds another layer. You are bringing in uh, an NFL football team right now and joining them in the lawsuit and basically saying that they were complicit in all of this and, you know, giving him a room, giving him non-disclosure agreements that they knew what was going on. And they were, uh, you know, they're guilty of, of covering it up. So, um, so yeah, I think it's, I think it's huge. And, uh, and the thing about Tony Busby, I think we can now see that he is not going to let up. Okay. This, he's just going to keep uh, the pedal to the metal and he's going to keep uh, coming at whoever he needs to uh, until this thing is somehow resolved. In this statement from Tony Busby, he says they are considering many other cases, many other cases. So we did we did learn from the Jenny Varentis article 
that he had set up 66 massage appointments from fall of 2020 to April of 2021. Out of those 66, only 27 so far have either filed a civil suit or have, um, have filed a police complaint or have tried to file, decided to file a civil suit and then pulled it back. Um, and then there were 18, which could be part of the 66, 18 that came to his defense. Uh, but out of this pool of, of all of these therapists, there could be more. And here you have Tony Busby saying today that they are considering many other cases. I'm sure that there are probably uh, a number of therapists that are seeing how this is now playing out and might decide to jump in and have a suit of their own. So I, I'm guessing that 25 will be coming along before too long. Uh, but I definitely think that, that this is a very significant development that the Texans are being pulled into it. Yeah, Scott, I mean, I guess just your re we, we touched on the New York Times piece really shortly yesterday because it dropped right as we were recording. So I guess just kind of collectively here, the New York Times piece and then this lawsuit to follow, just, just kind of your reaction to that. Yeah, when I read the story, I, that's one of the first things I thought. I thought, man, the Texans are probably going to have some answering to do here because uh, it seemed pretty damning, some of the things that, that were in there uh, about them providing the non-disclosure agreements and uh, being involved with the hotel that he used, stuff like that. So that's the sense I got when I read it. So it wasn't so much of a surprise today when I saw the Busby statement and uh, and realized that they were getting drawn into this. I imagine the one of the spa owners that was mentioned in that story might be one of the others um, that was mentioned in Busby's statement. So I, I mean, this it, it keeps going. I, I don't know that um, like the Texans being included in this now does anything necessarily for Deshaun Watson's situation with the Browns. Um, I think it's more how many people are, you know, adding on specifically accusing him that uh, the Browns will have to, will have to deal with, but it becomes a bad look for the NFL for sure. And I think we also said last yesterday uh, on the pod that, you know, is, do things getting piled on here? Does it, does there come a, a, a point where, Watson's taken off the table by the NFL. You know, he's putting on the commissioner's exempt list. He's just, you know, put aside and they're going to figure this out without him being on the field, without him being the face of a team, without uh, him being in front of fans who I, I'm still not sure how training camp's going to work this year, you know, because not everybody who walks through those gates and sits in the stands are going to be happy to see Deshaun Watson. So there's a lot of things that I'm sure the NFL wants to avoid, but now, you know, their their hand might be forced to actually do something more. Yeah, Ashley, I, th I think Scott hit it, you know, dead on there. This just adds, you know, this adds another layer, whether it directly affects Deshaun or not. This just adds another very, it's a complicated layer to add to this thing. And we talked about it, you know, in our Berea report video too. The other part of this now is how much longer is this investigation by the NFL going to have to continue on for? Because it just seems like, you know, we were, we got Roger Goodell saying that they were close to wrapping this up a few weeks ago, whenever that was. And now with all this new information that keeps coming out every week, the last few days in the case of this week, it's really hard for me to understand and, and comprehend how 
they're going to be able to just wrap this up and dish out a suspension and kind of move on from it. And we've talked about this before. If you're the NFL and and you talk about the, the PR perspective of things, like how are you going to make sure that you have all the information when all this information keeps coming out? How can you be sure that you have all that information, I should say? Um, I don't think there's any way for them to know that right now. And I, I really just think that the, the ending may have seemed like it was in sight for all of this. And I really just don't think it is anymore. And that's the other part of this. Yeah, I also think, you know, I was thinking about this, there's two ways the NFL could be wrong about this, right? They could be wrong by suspending him not long enough, or they could be wrong by suspending him too long. And I would imagine that if they had to choose one of those ways to be wrong, they'd rather suspend him too long, if that makes sense. Like they, they've looked bad before by saying, well, we're only going to suspend this person for four games. And then it gets worse and worse and worse. And, and they come out looking bad. I, this is obviously not only just a bad situation. It's also the timing of it is really bad for Deshaun Watson. And Mary Kay Scott mentioned the commissioner's exemplist. Roger Goodell said back at the owners meetings that that wasn't in play, but a lot has happened since then. Could that end up back on the table here? Well, it probably could, uh, but the, the fastest way for that to, to happen would be for uh, some more criminal complaints uh, to be filed against Deshaun. And right now I don't see anybody really necessarily going that route. Um, so we'll have to see if, that, if that's something that happens. I mean, Tony uh, Busby, when he said that we're considering many other cases, you know, we don't know if, if they're at this point still talking about civil suits or what the, what the case may be there. But another thing that that the NFL could decide to do that would leave it open-ended would be to suspend him indefinitely. They could decide that, um, you know, that, that they do want to suspend him, but they don't want to put a number on it. So they could suspend him indefinitely. And I don't know, I'm not saying that I've heard that this is going to happen at all. This is just one of the possibilities. If they already know that they think that he should be out about a year or so, if you suspend him indefinitely, then uh, you can kind of keep it open ended and he would have to he would basically be banished from the league and he would then have to uh, apply for reinstatement and go through that whole process and, and really, you know, be accountable and live up to a number of stipulations and things like that, which that could ha happen even with a finite suspension. Um, but um, but, you know, I just I think it's one possibility if they see a, a lengthy suspension, because an indefinite suspension uh, is, you know, at least a year. And um, and then, you know, then you can kind of go from there. So that might be something, too, if he doesn't end up on the exempt list, which you can kind of, you know, take your time with that, too. That might be another option, the indefinite suspension. Whatever number they landed on, if it's if it's actually a number of games, like if they said eight, you know, or ten or whatever, it's just it it's going to be a mess because they've been so inconsistent in the past with so many other types of suspensions, and this will be compared to other suspensions. We mentioned Josh Gordon before and how what you know he got suspended for weed, and you know you hold that up against this, um, it doesn't seem to be a good comparison. Uh, so whatever they decide on unless it's indefinite i think you you have room to kind of set a a proper precedent maybe um with however things shake out but but any number it's it's going to create a mess 
And, and you know, I mean, I, I just real, I mean, I realized this after we talked yesterday, Scott, when you mentioned Josh Gordon's indefinite, Miles Garrett's suspension was indefinite, and he had to go through that process of yeah. getting reinstated after the season. Um, and and obviously that came with less time left. It didn't come at the start of a season. Um, it ended up being six games, but he had that indefinite suspension that took him out for the rest of the year. So it, it's, there certainly is that precedent there. Um, you know, and that was of course an on-field incident. So I, I guess I want to pivot not away from the situation, but sort of to the practice field today, because today sort of felt like, I don't know if it was the first day it felt like this, but it, it was certainly the day where it felt strongest um, where this just sort of was hanging over everything. Um, it was just sort of sitting there watching practice and maybe it was because that New York Times stuff was so, it put so much out there, but Ashley, I, I know you and I were standing there talking for a good chunk of practice. Like it just felt like this was hanging over everything today. And, and we'll get into some stuff that was said later as well. And it really did kind of bleed over into some of the availability after. It does. And, you know, when, when we've had each of these availabilities and I don't have the timeline in front of me, but something has happened with related to the accusations against Deshaun Watson, basically the day before every time we've gone out there so far for media availabilities, like the HBO interviews happened before the first one. I know that for sure. I believe the 23rd civil suit happened before the second OTAs that we were out there. Uh, and then the 24th civil suit. And now the New York Times investigation happened before this final one that was open to the media. So yeah, I mean, you're out there and you're watching football and all this stuff is kind of, you know, it's the first time that you know, a lot of us are hearing a lot of this information that was in the New York Times investigation specifically. Um, and like we talked about yesterday, you know, the Browns writers, we were not covering Deshaun Watson yet when one through 22 of these civil suits came out. So when these new ones hit, it is new information for all of us as well. And, you know, and like you said, Dan, when we talk about what was said today at practice, it's hard to ask about anything else at this point, because, this is hanging over this team until a decision is made by the NFL about whether Deshaun Watson is going to be suspended and how long that suspension is going to be. And it's just the reality that the Browns live with. It's the reality they chose to live with. Um, and that's why, like we said, like no one should feel bad for them, but it, it is the reality regardless. So going to what was said after Mary Kate, you wrote this um, and the headline on your story today. And, you know, we were talking before we came on when I saw you tweet it out, we hadn't discussed this beforehand. I thought I, I thought it was fair to put this out there. Uh, Kevin Stefanski declines to say if Sean Watson's new civil suits or allegations have impacted his standing with the club. And, um, you know, basically the quote here uh, that, that Kevin used was, quote, we are here making sure we get good practice and the guys did a nice job out there today. I'm not going to comment past that, but we're going to be respectful of the process, be respectful of the legal proceedings. One thing about Kevin, Mary Kay, is he was a communications major in college and it shows. Uh, he mm -hmm. certainly will. He knows what he wants to say and he will repeat it 50 times if he has to repeat it. But I did think standing there and obviously you did too, standing there, it was significant that he didn't just come out and say, yes, we're good with Deshaun. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, I, I thought it was very, very significant because he has said that before. Now, things have changed and things, uh, you know, I, I think things have progressed uh, from a legal standpoint to the point now where they are pretty much probably telling Kevin Stefanski to answer every question with, we're letting the NFL investigation 
and the legal proceedings play out. We're going to be respectful of the process and let it play out. That's his standard default go-to answer. But still, um, you know, I think that that was the pertinent question of the day. Do you guys still feel really good about Deshaun Watson as a person? We've heard Kevin Stefanski say before that he does feel that way. So I think that, like you said, he's a, a very intelligent former communications major. He, if he wanted to find a way to say, yeah, I still feel really good about Deshaun Watson as a person, I, you know, he didn't have to come out and necessarily, you know, hit us over the head with that. But I think he could have uh, said something other than just declining to answer that. And I know he's being put in a very tough position. I think we can all acknowledge right now that they're putting Kevin Stefanski out in front every single day. And that's a tough spot for him to be in. They really should be having, at this point, I really think Jimmy Haslam should come out and talk to us. I, I really do. I think this rises to the level of ownership. Um, and, and short of that, then bring Paul De Podesta, your chief strategy officer out, or bring Andrew Barry out and, and have them answer some of these questions. There are enough questions to answer now, and it goes beyond the pay grade of Kevin Stefanski to have to answer to all of this. So it is time. It is time for somebody else to come out uh, and, and tell us what the situation is, how do they feel, where do they think this is going, and what, and what are their options if it doesn't go as planned. And to Mary Kay's point, none of those, Kevin Stefanski is the only one we have heard from on this since March. Deshaun Watson hasn't talked since that introductory press conference. And we did hear from Andrew Berry and Paul DePodesta right after the draft, but they weren't taking those Deshaun Watson type of questions then. So uh, yeah, it is, it is just to put it into perspective, Kevin Stefanski has had to take all of these questions from us when these new allegations and new investigations have come up. And, you know, look, part part of this is that's the head coach, like the head coach is the only one who's compelled to talk like every day and compelled to talk as often as he does during off, the offseason program. And there is a nature to the business of he sort of has to answer for things that aren't even in his department, right? Like, oh, the marketing department messed up. We're talking to the head coach today and he's got to answer for it. But that being said, these questions have a lot to do with the investigation at this point. And Kevin Stefanski was not, there's no way he was involved in the investigation in November. I mean, coaches don't even get involved in the draft until they're done with the regular season. So there's no way he was involved in any significant way in the early stages of this investigation. I, I don't know about the late stages other than going and meeting with Deshaun Watson and talking about the offense with him. So I, I think it is unfair for Kevin to have to be the one sitting there answering questions about the investigation. I mean, Scott, it does feel like at the very least we need to hear, even if Andrew gives a bunch of non-answers, he, he needs to at least be asked about it. Yeah, that's what I thought about when when he was being, uh, you know, he had to go through it. pretty much the whole first half of the interview with him uh, was uh, questions related to, to Watson and the investigation that the New York Times did. And yeah, I kept thinking that yeah, he, obviously the communications degree is coming through handy. The Browns communications department must love having Kevin Stefanski as a head coach, um, watching him go through these press conferences and being able to say the same thing over and over. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of things I thought, well, he probably really wasn't involved in that, We, but he's the only one here we can ask. Um, I thought it was uh, notable that they had um, 
uh, JJ3 as one of the, the talkers today. Um, that seemed like a, a safe guy to have out who I know he's been outspoken before, but um, I guess he's, he's one of the guys who could talk on a lot of subjects and understands uh, maybe how to address different things. We also got Anthony Schwartz, who I think is at the other end. And I think they kind of knew that he probably isn't going to be peppered with a lot of questions about Sean Watson and the investigation. Um, I'm sure if Joel Batonio was at OTAs, um, he, he might get, because he's, I mean, he's good at answering questions. He's good at talking about drama. Uh, he's done it throughout <laughs> his career here. Uh, so I felt that that like who we got to talk to today um, uh, was maybe a little strategic on. Yeah, I, I think um, I think hearing from John Johnson. Uh, yeah, I think it is time. I think hopefully, you know. Scott was freezing up there for a minute, but yeah, hearing from John Johnson and and then uh, Joel Batonio would have been uh, like, he hasn't been there, but next week we probably will hear from Joel Batonio and he's mm -hmm. sort of the spokes people of the organization, but Mary Kay, at some point that's got to wear on those guys too. Right. Like, because it's sort of the same, like John Johnson, however he feels about it. And we don't know a hundred percent, maybe he's fine with everything. Maybe he's not Joel, same thing. Why? Whoever. They didn't make this decision either. Right. Like they're just kind of showing up for work. This is their job. It's, you know, if, if I did something terrible and you guys had to work with me and show up to work every day, you would, you would do it. Right. That's sort of the boat that these guys are in too. Um, it, so I, I could see that getting exhausting if this continues. Yes, absolutely. And I think uh, that it will be good for everyone to take that break that's coming after mini camp next week. They've got their mandatory mini camp, which now, of course, we know that Baker Mayfield has been excused from the mandatory mini camp, uh, which was a mutual decision on the part of Baker Mayfield's camp and the Browns. So he won't be there, but uh, so the three-day mandatory mini camp, which was supposed to be a little bit more, you know, light and, and fun, a little bit of team bonding going down to the pro football hall of fame. Well, right now, nothing seems light and easy. Uh, like you said, there is this cloud hanging over uh, camp and OTAs and everything like this right now. So I think it's going to be good for, for everybody to get away from it for Deshaun and everyone to get away from this after mini camp. Now in that time between mini camp and training camp, we're going to find out what the league's decision is on Deshaun Watson. That that's, that's got to happen. I mean, something has to give, right? Everybody has to know what the plan is going to be for the start of the season. The Browns have to know fans have to, I mean, Deshaun has to know. So, at some point during that time, some decision will be made. Now, will they have time to, you know, to make the initial decision, to hear the appeal and, and to go through the whole entire process by the time training camp starts at the end of July? It's hard to say, but, um, but they will know something. Uh, there will be, you know, some news coming out. Uh, but yes, Browns players, uh, you know, they're, they're going to grow weary of this at some point. They're going to grow weary of answering these questions. And I, I suspect now that Tony Busby is going to try to generate a, a good number of more cases. And so this thing is not going away anytime soon. And even if, uh, even if Deshaun Watson decides now to settle the suits, I don't think that's going to be easy. I don't think it's going to be easy. I think the price has gone 
way up. And, um, and I think there are going to be some, some of the massage therapists that, that don't want to settle that want to go to trial. Um, so I, I just think that this is, is going to be going on for quite a while. Yeah, it's uh, it, it just kind of keeps getting messier and messier. And I would imagine like if Tony Busby can pull it off, there's going to be something that comes out at some point during minicamp next week. I, I mean, it's just it's been the M.O. so far. It's it's a smart approach on his part to kind of make sure that this is in the news at newsworthy times. So uh, I, w- I would not be surprised if, if there's some kind of news uh, early next week when they're uh, when they're about to hit minicamp. OK. I think we hit everything on this. Is there any, before we move on, I don't want to shortchange any of this. Is there anything that stood out to anyone that we missed? Uh, I do want to talk just a little bit of football, but Mary Kay, what do you have? Well, there, there's one thing that comes to mind and that is, um, you know, with the Houston Texans being pulled into the matter, uh, it, I just have to wonder if it won't become a league matter and if there won't be more of a, uh, you know, back and forth between, the Cleveland Browns and the Houston Texans somehow between, you know, what did the Texans know? What didn't they know? What did they disclose? And that sort of thing. So this could, you know, this could grow a little bit, you know, of life on its own. Yeah. I'll, I'll say I was asked on a a radio show. I agreed to go on before the New York times story dropped yesterday, but (laughs) that's, that was bad timing on my part. I I was asked about some of the worst case scenarios, like, uh, you know, will Deshaun ever wear a Browns uniform. And I I think we're too far away to go that far on all of this. But again, that ball is rolling a little bit in, in that direction. I, you know, I think again, that's like, we're still a ways away from really getting into that stuff, but like it, just like that year suspension thing, it starts to feel just a little tiny bit more realistic the, the longer and longer this goes. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, let's talk kickers. Who doesn't want to talk kickers after all that? We'll be back here on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. I'm back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. As I mentioned, there was practice today. It was a pretty uneventful practice honestly so even if all this stuff wasn't happening i don't know what we would talk about other than we finally got to see Cade york and so i want to hear all of your impressions on the browns new kickers browns twitter is all in they see videos from ashley and mary Kay and the other reporters out there and they are they the browns have their kicker and it was an impressive showing today uh the first time we got to see Cade york kick so <laughs> what did you guys think yeah are you impressed are you all in is the kate york era here ashley well listen let's let's temper expectations a little <laughs> bit he is a rookie we don't want to put undue pressure on Cade york yet right like obviously first of all let's state the obvious kicking out on the practice field in berea is very different than kicking out in first energy stadium at just about any time, given the weather conditions that arise there. Now we've already talked about, he's maybe on a good start to learning how to manage those. He's already gotten to know Phil Dawson a little bit, who was of course a master at that during his career here. They've also had him kicking down at the field at first energy. We know at least four times he was set to kick down there the fourth time last Thursday. Uh, I'm sure they're going to have him down there this week. We know that he's going to be down there next week. The whole team is going to be practicing down at first energy. Um, but overall, I think when you're, when you're talking about kicking out at practice, Cade York went out there and did what he was supposed to do today, right? Like went out there, he knocked down, I think six of seven kicks. It was capped by a nice 
58 yard field goal that yes, you can find video of on, on cleveland.com slash Browns that I posted and on my Twitter. Uh, but overall it was interesting. The one thing I did think was interesting today uh, in terms of what was said about Cade York is John Johnson, the three who, you know, kind of talked about being able to watch him so far. And he made the comment that the ball just sounds different when he kicks it and that he is nailing these kicks. They've seen him nail kicks, you know, for 30 yards that are going 60 yards. Um, so I think Cade York so far is as advertised with the caveat that obviously we have to see what he looks like down at the stadium, but so far, all signs are certainly promising with what we saw today and what we know so far. Well, we're going to really dig in here, Mary Kay, and talk about the sound of the football. I mean, you you could hear that thud, like, just ringing across uh, across the practice facility today. Yeah, I was actually standing um, on the sidelines for that kick. You guys were uh, behind Kate, so we, were, we had different vantage points. Uh, but you know, the, the sound sounded good. I was listening earlier this week to, uh, the sound of, of my son hitting a golf ball. And I was thinking, man, that sounds really nice. (laughs) And that, uh, that was the way it sounded when, uh, when Cade York struck that ball, which had plenty of distance on it. And, uh, and it was pretty cool. And the guys did get all really, really fired up and excited about it. I mean, those guys, on the sidelines, especially the defensive guys, it seemed were just as excited about it as anybody else. So um, this is why the Browns reached up a little bit into the fourth round, took Cade York. They really believe they solved a longstanding problem. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, like Ashley said, they're, they're not putting Evan McPherson Pro Bowl expectations on him uh, as a rookie, but he certainly has pro bowl kicker written all over him and it should happen at some point scott your Cade york thoughts hey look i mean the browns fans need something to get excited about right now and it's Cade york making kicks and otas and great you know i i don't know my hearing's not great i don't know if it was any different than anybody else's <laughs> kicks but i mean i'm old enough to remember austin seibert and zane gonzalez having good days and otas so i'm sure he'll be good <laughs> there we go that's that's the headline i'm i'm sure Cade york will be good um a- anything else stand out today in practice john johnson came away with another interception um i thought we you know we saw a couple deshaun watson to amari cooper connections uh which, which was encouraging um again it was sort of a weird and slow practice to begin with but um did anything else stand out to you guys from practice well, from I don't know if this counts as practice, but I did mention it a little bit earlier, and I do think it it bears uh, just a, a very quick discussion. The fact that Baker Mayfield uh, has been excused from mandatory minicamp next week, and the reason why it's pertinent is because uh, it's just it's concurrent with not knowing what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. But it still seems to me like that ship has sailed. The Baker Mayfield era is over and no matter what happens, he's not playing football for the Cleveland Browns in 2022. And I think it's important to establish that because I think, uh, uh, you know, some, uh, some Baker fans probably still harbor delusions of him going out there and taking the Browns to the playoffs this season. And I'm not feeling it. I, yeah, it, it was the right thing. Um, I, you know, I'm fully in the camp that they should do whatever they can to move on from this as quickly as possible. But I can at least hear the argument as to why you view him as an asset and you want to wait to, to kind of see what you can get. But I think calling up Baker and saying, hey, we'll see you in Berea next week 
enjoy the Hall of Fame. I mean, Mary Kay, you said on our video how weird it would have been to have Baker touring the Hall of Fame with Deshaun Watson and Jacoby yeah. Brissett and yeah. whomever else. That that probably would have been a bridge too far. So yeah, what a photo opportunity that would have been, right? <laughs> I mean, my goodness. So yeah, that wasn't going to happen, and I think they should extend it. Uh, they should just. I mean, they have time, so they they don't have to worry about this yet. But if it gets to be July twenty seventh. I mean, there already is the circus atmosphere going on right now. Wait until it's time to have all the national media in town for, for training camp. I mean, think about that. So the last thing that you would need uh, with everything going on would be to have Baker Mayfield rock. Can't happen. Uh, and so they just have to decide right now that he's going to be working out somewhere else if he's still on the team. It's the, the story that won't go away. <laughs> the, right. the baker the baker mayfields another thing that kevin has to answer questions about it's a crowded field baker stories mayfield. that won't go away yeah it's just you know yeah. what i mean it's just here here's the unfortunate thing in my mind for browns fans in all of this is that it really seemed like when kevin stefanski came in and andrew barry came in that you know the the dysfunction the drama the negative headlines and the craziness that characterized this team for so many years was over right? Isn't that what it seemed like? It just seemed like it, it was going to be stability and sustained success and green sticker guys and high character people. And, you know, it just felt like Browns fans, you know, finally had a, a team that they, that they could be proud of for all the right reasons. And so I just feel bad right now for all of the fans that are having to deal with all of this. Yeah, uh, that is, look, you know, this time a year ago, we were talking about extending Baker Mayfield and the Browns going to the Super Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) That drama was over from week, from week seven of 2020 through week two of last season. Yeah, that that was that was your drama free period there. Probably, probably the longest stretch since the Browns came back of of drama free Mm -hmm. football. So good for them baby steps i guess all right that'll do it on this edition of the orange brown talk podcast uh make sure you subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen spotify and apple podcasts and of course make sure you subscribe to become a football insider subscriber cleveland.com slash browns the blue banner at the top of the page uh for scott mary Kay, and ashley i'm dan thanks for listening everybody